I'm Nurse Brittany. And I'm Nurse Shayla. And you're listening to Your, Your Call Light, Light is on. on. How have you been, Shayla? Uh, pretty good. No complaints over here. No complaints at all. Just same old boring, boring life. <laughs> Any picks for the week? Products, books, oh, magazines, articles. I can't say that I have any in particular. What about you? You have something in mind? That's why you asked me? I've been eating a breakfast bowl every morning. Oh, <laughs> tell us what's in it. What, what, what? Come on. So me. it's uh, sweet potatoes, Ugh. kale, Ugh. goat cheese, <laughs> onions, <laughs> mushrooms, and two eggs over easy. Oh sometimes I get bacon. Sometimes I get steak. Everything sounds good besides the goat cheese and the meat. It sounds so and, good. Well, at this particular place, they actually have a vegan bowl, too. Really? Yeah. Um, I, I live for sweet potatoes. Me, too. I get to, every time I go to the grocery store, I just naturally get sweet potatoes. And I could have, like, ten sweet potatoes already at home. I just keep getting sweet potatoes because I know I'm going to eat them. Very few things are as good as fresh sweet potatoes. Yes. And then roasting them. Let me tell you guys, if you're not hip to roasting sweet potatoes, do it. And when you do it, what's the uh, seasoning I told you? Smoked paprika. Yes. I'm getting everybody hip to smoked paprika. (laughs) And that's because, shout out to my friend Mary Beth. She's a faithful listener. She got me hip to smoked paprika. So now, oh my goodness. It's amazing on the sweet potatoes. Yes. Yes. Um, Yes. Yes. So, okay. that's my pick of the week. Oh my goodness, I could talk about food <laughs> <laughs> all day. <laughs> okay, let's get into our Is Your Call Light On or Off segment. How do we feel about compression socks? Oh, call light on, compression socks. I When I first became a nurse, I would wear the, the compression stockings. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of was like, oh, well, these are not really necessary. Yeah, right. I, my legs would swell. I started to get varicose veins. Yeah. And I'm like, what is going on? So then I put my compression stockings back on. Uh-huh. And it helps with the swelling. Helps with the varicose veins. No one wants raggedy looking legs. <laughs> <laughs> looking like I got Kegels. So, oh, is that what they're called? Is it I Kinko? Have, I have Kankos. Oh, Kankos. What's Kegel? Oh, Kegel's there. Oh, my God. That's completely different. <laughs> that's the uterine yes, strengthening. Yes, yes. Or, okay, pelvic strengthening. Yeah. Sorry. But yeah, no, 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 no. You don't have Kegels. Or Kegels or whatever. <laughs> Kankos. Yes. Anyways, moral of the story. Call it on for the compression stockings. <laughs> I just don't know how I feel about compression socks yet. Maybe 2019 I'll give compression <laughs> stockings a try. Up until now, I've had the same compression stockings since I started nursing five years ago. And more than anything, they dig into my legs. Like, when I take them off, it's like, whew, I'm glad those are off. You know how I feel? Do you ever feel that way with yours or no? Here's the thing. Did you measure yourself? No, I did you not measure, measure our patients. No, no, you have to measure yourself, yeah. and then get your the pressure. Uh, they're all different pressures, so you might you might have a pressure that's too much. Okay. Yeah, I'll try that, and a lot of times I find them to be itchy. Like I'm oh, always yeah, they scratching, are. scratching, scratching. I just if you put lotion on. Well, I put a, lotion a on. lot in copious amounts before you put the. Then it's hard to pressure. pull them off. <laughs> <laughs> I can't win with you. I know, right? <laughs> 
No, you know, 2019, I'm going to try some compression stockings. I am because I don't want varicose veins. I don't want swollen legs. They're already thick enough. So, yeah, maybe we'll try that. The alpha paging system. So the alpha paging system is a a system where you could just shoot the provider a text and say, hey, this is what's going on or whatever, and they can put the orders in. So call it on, call it off. I'll say on for it when it's working. A lot of times our alpha paging system is down and you won't know if it's down or if the person got your page or not. Mm. I just wish there was some kind of feature to where it could say, like, received or went through. So that way, yeah, or read. And it's that way I know if they're leaving me on read. You know, if that way (laughs) I know you got my page, but you can't respond right now versus it didn't go through or this is the wrong part. I don't know. I'll say overall on. Call it on. I agree. On, on, because sometimes you don't necessarily need a response back. You don't need a call back. Mm-hmm. It's nice just to say, hey, can you throw this communication order in? Yeah. And then I do the 15 to 30 minute response. So depending on the urgency of the, the alpha, of the page, I'll give the provider 15 to 30 minutes to, to respond. If they don't, then I will usually send them a text again yeah. Yeah. Um, to follow up. And now we have it, we have an upgrade system. So if you're really needing to get in contact with them, you can be annoying and just call the cell phone. Yeah, yeah. That's so. fine. That's being annoying when it comes to the needs of your patient. So <laughs> I'm notorious for blowing up pagers. I will blow up a pager <laughs> if you don't respond. Uh, how do we feel about night shift? Call light on. Because it's politically correct. Call it on, again, nursing is 24-7, 365. And um, if there are no night shift nurses, there is no nursing. There's no one to care for the patients. So I know you're going to be politically we, correct. Night shift isn't for everybody. And, and now there are studies rolling out showing uh, the health effects of night shift. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how legitimate most of them are. But it's worth mentioning because more people are talking about it. I think they even say, like, your life expectancy is shorter mm-hmm. if you work night shift. Higher incidence of diabetes, yeah. heart disease, mm-hmm. insomnia. Yeah. And I don't know if it's related, related to the circadian rhythm being off. I don't know if yeah. that's the correlation, but night shift is necessary. I know you are going to say that. I'm going to say off. You knew I was going to say all. Mm-hmm. I abhor night shift. I cannot stand it. I don't like working late at night. I don't even like being up late at night. So how do you think I'm going to care for people late at night? I'm not a night owl. I'm an early bird in every sense of the word. I want that worm. I. <laughs> you don't want the, the differential, though. Night shift has the nice differential. They do. Well, at most facilities, not yeah, at our true. facility. I value my sleep way more, though. Mm-hmm. I love being in bed, and we know early. So I'm not taking care of nobody at night. So, All right. Fair enough. Sorry if that's selfish. It's the truth. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Today, we're hoping to just raise awareness mm-hmm. about the health disparities to provide information so that you can think about incorporating this in, in, into your 
practice or your thoughts on caring for maybe a difficult patient population. And we just really want to help you have a more positive thinking on some of the things, the struggles we experience in the healthcare world when we're dealing with disadvantaged populations or minority populations or patients that are not as easy to care for. So let's define disparity. And when we're referring to health disparity, it's referring to differences, differences that are linked with social, economic, and or environmental disadvantages. Um, They affect groups of people who have experienced greater obstacles to health based on a number of factors, such as their race, their ethnicity, religion, their socioeconomic status, their gender, their age, mental health, disabilities, sexual orientation or gender identity, their geographic location, and other characteristics that are linked to discrimination or exclusion. So let's keep in mind that when we talk about health disparities, it's not limited to just race. race. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of people think about, race and ethnicity and it being disparity. There's, there's disparity that exists on, it's a multi-level issue. Absolutely. As the U.S. becomes more diverse, mm-hmm. the healthcare disparities are going to continue to grow. Mm-hmm. People of color will make up 50% of the population with the ethnicity, the majority ethnicity being Hispanic. As this diversity continues to grow, we will also start to see more disproportion in low-income and uninsured Mm -hmm. and individuals without those advantages as some people have and that socioeconomic gap will continue to grow and we will see this in the healthcare field more Mm -hmm. and this is important to us because if there's a healthcare disparity our patients are experiencing decreased quality of care and it's unnecessary costs was it 2016 there was like 93 billion in excess medical costs and 42 billion loss from productivity related to healthcare disparities among LBGTs, race, ethnicity, language, mm-hmm. um, socioeconomic. And these are things that could be implemented so that we can reduce these healthcare disparities or be mindful when we are caring with caring for individuals who uh, may be a part of that minority group. Right. I don't think we can ever um eliminate it completely, but the key word is helping to reduce it is the key. When we talk about disparities, a lot of it has to do with public health, a lot of it has to do with access to resources. Um resources that you know, come to mind is high quality education, healthy food, safe and decent housing, public transportation that's reliable and affordable, healthcare providers that are culturally sensitive, health insurance, and then air that's non-polluted and clean water. And back to the culturally sensitive healthcare providers. I know there's been research and studies done saying that 
people feel like they're in better hands or they trust their providers when they see someone who looks like them. I think it's also important to realize that a lot of people are set up from birth kind of to fail. So what Shayla is saying when she lists those things, she is describing the social determinants of health. Yes. Those would be the things that interfere with the ability to obtain quality care. Mm -hmm. What those social determinants of health include, just to repeat, are economic stability, physical environment, food, education, social and community connection, and healthcare systems. These determinants of health affect all health outcomes. Mm -hmm. It's important to realize that disparities begin at birth, beginning with infant mortality rates and then just the environments that children are brought up in. And it's kind of that saying, like, if you don't know any better, then you don't do any better. A lot of people are already predisposed to what their future will be, what their health outcomes will be. And it's sad. It's something that's very important to realize, especially if you are uh, fortunate enough to be afforded the opportunity to live in an environment that's safe and has access to resources. It's important to realize that in your interactions with with patients and just people in general, that many people are not afforded with that opportunity. And sometimes it's a generational thing. A low-income and blacks have more barriers and and poorer quality of of care. Mm -hmm. One of the social determinants of health includes food and access to healthy options. I just want to point out that here in the county where we live, there's as many as 450,000 people that live in what's considered a food desert. And if you're not familiar with what a food desert is, they're becoming more and more prevalent. And it's basically areas where there isn't convenient access to healthy food. And this was as of last year. So there could very well be more. 450,000 people in Cuyahoga County that live in what's considered a food desert. Um, When you're living in a food desert, that predisposes you to illnesses and makes you vulnerable to different illnesses like heart disease, like stroke, diabetes, obesity. People that live in food deserts have higher rates of death from chronic diseases such as the ones that I just mentioned. What to do about this? That's a question that we have to ask ourselves. One thing that I've personally noticed in a lot of areas is that they have what's considered community gardens. I think it's a wonderful idea to implement this. Not saying that everyone would take advantage of community gardens, but they could take advantage of having local, fresh grown food and use that for their meals. That's to say even too, like if there were more grocery options for people, would they take advantage of it? We don't know because it's kind of like when you're used to eating fast food every day because it's easy, because it's there, it's convenient. Who's to say that you would take advantage of buying fresh food and doing that? But you would never know until it's actually done. So it's kind of sad when you realize certain areas just have 
more of an abundance of resources than others. And it makes you think, is it that way intentionally? That's what I think. It it, it, it makes me think that certain people just... It makes me think that certain people don't see others as worthy of having resources and healthy options. And the food desert thing is something that I feel very sad about. And in these communities, a lot of people associate good food, healthy food, with expensive price, which is not always the case. Fresh vegetables and fruits... You can buy them for a fairly cheap price at some of the the local groceries. However, if you're buying fresh vegetables and and fruits, some people only go to the grocery store once a month Mm -hmm. because they don't have transportation. So there there are a lot of things to consider when you are caring for this patient and you're doing your patient education about diet. Just keep that in mind. 20% of the children in Ohio are living in poverty which is equivalent to child poverty in U.S. Like Shayla said, our county is on the lower end. Yeah. Within the oh- One thing that I wanted to point out, too, when I was um, looking on the CDC's website in regards to food deserts and what we can do to kind of help to eliminate them, they were suggesting that local governments improve local transportation to allow for easier access to already established markets and, you know, grocery stores. And they're also suggesting, too, that certain areas change their zoning codes and offer some sort of tax breaks or um, economic incentives to attract retails, retailers to build grocery stores in the area. I know there's one particular area here in Cleveland where they have added a grocery store. It's called Simon's Supermarket. And the owner intentionally opened this supermarket in an area that is a complete desert. I mean, you've got McDonald's, you've got Burger King on every single corner, but there's no fresh food market. He intentionally went to this area and opened up this grocery store. Kudos to him. And he's actually thinking about opening up opening up another grocery store in another area of Cleveland, which I didn't look to see if he actually did that or not. But this other area is also an impoverished area with no grocery retail. Mm-hmm. And in addition to food, you also have economic stability. Most people are living on fixed incomes. In these communities are living on fixed incomes. They don't always have the education to earn a higher wage. Their living situations, they may be, maybe several families in one house, may not have all the utilities. I know there's also an internet uh, initiative going on in the Cuyahoga area where they're trying to uh, give more people in low-income areas access to internet because we all use internet and we use it every day. And I couldn't imagine having to do homework or report in today's age and not having it at all having yeah. access to the research mm-hmm. or to look, to look things up or access to even job hunt we've created an environment where the internet is essential for being productive so ensuring that these individuals people in the low income areas have access to things like the internet when i think of this healthcare disparity and and i'm learning more about this now as well. We always speak of having equality, having everything equal, and 
everybody being on the same page in that sense if we if we make it equal for everybody then everything is fixed which we know that that's not because we have these social determinants of health that everybody doesn't start on an equal playing field right. so then you think health equity and the difference between health equality and health equity health health equality is giving everybody the same treatment no matter what so if you give someone who is in a low income, no education, uninsured, no transportation, the same opportunity as you give someone who is come from a middle class family, four year degree, both parents in the household, two incomes, not on a fixed income, and have transportation, who's gonna go further? So when you think of health, equity, you think of giving each person or each group exactly what they need to be successful to get to the same point where this person who's coming from two-parent family household, four-year degrees, non-fixed income, no food deserts, you give them a real fighting chance when you think of the problem, healthcare disparity, as healthcare equity. And I think more of us need to be aware of the difference and understand when we're doing our patient teaching and understand when we are getting frustrated with the the readmits and the not being able to feel like your your patient is absorbing the education. I think there's also something to be said about community health centers and making sure that they are properly placed in certain areas where the inhabitants can adequately benefit from it because we know there's a lot of people who go to the ED with problems that could be seen in a community health center or if they had established care with um, you know a provider beforehand and I think it's important for the prevalence of community health centers and nonprofit community health centers, I think it's important for the prevalence of those to increase to really service those people in the areas that they would not receive care otherwise. I think that's you know something to think about and something to um, marinate on. It says something when there's consistent research pointing out that those who are Low income, mm-hmm. minority, yeah. um, uninsured. uninsured, lack of education, yeah. overall disadvantaged. Uh, that there's increased morbidity and mortality. Yeah. And we see it consistently. And more of us, we need to be aware. And, uh, and less judgy. Figure out how we can help these groups and help each other to be better providers and provide quality care to all of our patients Mm -hmm. to ensure that they're getting what they need. And figure out what your lawyer is doing for your community. Many large healthcare systems should offer resources Mm -hmm. to to help with these disparities since they are so prevalent. A lot of this too has to do with policy. It's, a lot of it's on the local level. I mean, it's definitely on the national level, but some things can be changed on a local level with policy, 
policy change and knowing what's going on and educating yourself on things and wanting to involve yourself. And if you see community initiatives that are being started that really can benefit people that need it, trying to figure out a way at how you can involve yourself in it. And a lot of us live in our own little bubble. And just because things might be just great in our little world, we tend to neglect the fact that others are really suffering. And that's what living in a diverse world is all about. Helping others who are not just like you. And your employer, with the growing diversity, should be trying to include everyone and offering diversity and inclusion training Mm -hmm. and educating employees on these disparities so that you can provide the best care. So find out what your employer offers. And if they don't offer anything, figure out how you can get them to incorporate this into their system and how much productivity and change that you can you can help to implement the uh, thing outcomes. about healthcare disparity is that we can only really scratch the surface it's just a broad topic to talk about there's so many facets of it that we can only just touch on and it's something that i don't know you know how you feel but for me it's frustrating reading these things learning about these things discussing these things and knowing that like me and you alone can't just change this we can change it through our practice we can change it through making more people aware and educating and helping out and volunteering where we can but like it's something that is going to persist to some degree and that's what's frustrating about it as a nurse I know we're all busy and, you know, we've got a lot of things to focus on. Try to make it a part of your practice to get to know your patient's life at home, what they do, the resources that they have. And you can do that by an easy, casual conversation to see what you're going to have to ensure that they have upon discharge or when they leave your, your visit or from an outpatient appointment. Because like we discussed earlier, these social determinants of health impact health outcomes. If they are lacking in one of these areas, what you're trying to accomplish health-wise is not going to be accomplished. When you're, you're on the floor or working with patients, try to implement care plans that can integrate the social and environmental needs for each patient. Um, That's important for improving these health outcomes. And you don't have to do it alone. When you find something that you are unsure of or uncomfortable with, talk to your case managers, talk to your social workers. Personally, I've I've had experience with these on, on multiple occasions at different facilities. I might get a 20 something year old patient, overweight, came in with some uh, kidney failure. Blood pressure is over 200, but she was on blood pressure meds, but didn't really know that it was important to continue to take the blood pressure med. And I see this all the time. I don't know what it is. I take it for my blood pressure and my blood pressure was fine for the last few readings. So I stopped taking it. And I know we, we put someone on a medication and we never really tell them the importance. What happens when you stop taking it? Mm -hmm. Yes. Your blood pressure readings are going to be better, 
at your follow-up appointments because you're on the medications, but it doesn't mean that they're fixed. It means that you should continue to take the medications. And I know it seems silly to to have to say that to a patient, but you you have to understand some people need to be explained exactly why you're taking this medication, how it is. So know your patient's needs. Mm-hmm. And again, just remember, I, I, I'm going to like say this over and over again. Don't be judgy. Don't stereotype. Don't bias. All these things contribute to disparities. They do. And poor health outcomes. Yes. Do not do that as a healthcare provider. I know we all love our medroom chit-chat. And medroom is my sanctuary. It's where I go to let out my steam. It's where I go to let out my frustration. Not just my farts. But it is my sanctuary. So sometimes I, I talk things out with my colleagues. I, I let out some frustrations. And I have to remind myself that the patient is in my care and it is my job to ensure that I provide them with the best care that they can and I can ensure that, that the whole entire care team is advocating for them. Mm-hmm. However, not everybody is right at the bedside getting to know the patient. So when you see one of these determinants not being able to be met, yeah. that you notify someone that's not going to be realistic for the right. patient because they they don't have a car. Yeah. So it's being realistic. So yeah. so just make sure that you you are connecting the dots for your patient and making the care team aware. Mm-hmm. Making it easy for them too, and their circumstances, acknowledging their circumstance, and be willing to somewhat try to accommodate based on their circumstance. And one thing that I didn't mention but I'm just going to backtrack a moment when we talk about a minority and um, low income and populations. Also, let's not forget our language barrier. That's important as well. So most of the facilities on Lexicomp has an option to print education out in another language, have an option to have an interpreter. Use those things because without them, you might as well just be blindly discharging your patient with yeah. medications and you're, you're doing a disservice yeah. to your patient. And yeah. we have to ensure that everyone is culturally and linguistically getting appropriate care. Aware. I mean, imagine yourself going to a different country oh, yeah. and having something happen to you and you are in a hospital with people who speak a completely different language and feeling scared, feeling nervous, feeling like you you don't know what's going on. You might be in pain. Imagine be imagine being that patient. So, if anything, make it easy for them. Give them the resources that they need. Get a translator. Print out things in their language. Let them know that you are welcoming and, and accepting of them. Instead of just saying, "Well, you need to learn how to speak English," or you know, something. <laughs> you're in America now. You're, yeah, yeah. I've heard that, that though. I've heard I, that yeah. it's so upsetting mm-hmm. because and and people get so much more frustrated with those types of patients versus any other patient just because of the language barrier. But they can't help that. Mm -hmm. And then one last thing, if you guys have time, take a look at where your county ranks in these areas and how you're doing, 
health-wise as a county. I really like the countyhealthrankings.org website where it tells you where your county stands as far as health outcomes, health factors, policies, and programs. I think this is would be worth knowing for your own good in helping you to understand your patient population and and how you can um, implement this in your practice. And on another note, did you see that Cleveland is the second, well, according to Wallet Hub, Cleveland is the second neediest city in America? As far as what? As far as adult poverty rates, homelessness, or child poverty rates, food insecurities, much like we were saying, number of uninsured people, percentage of homes with inadequate plumbing, percentage of... Number two? Number two. Um, Detroit was number one. Wow. A percentage of homes with inadequate kitchens. So us working in, in Cleveland, this is vital for us to know. Mm. We can't, you know, come in a patient's room and slap down and yeah. expect them to, oh, you're here for the fourth time right. with heart failure. Didn't I tell you to stop eating the salt? You know, we like wow. frozen food's the yeah. only thing that's in their area. Or canned, yeah. Or you pre-processed, know? yeah. 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 That's sad. That's it, frustrating. Mm-hmm. It's sad as well. And to, to live in a place and, and just now, I've I've been in Cleveland what working on my fifth year Mm -hmm. and to just now be aware of this yeah yeah but you see it more and more um I I see it more and more so it it makes sense I'm just looking at these rankings right now and I mean it's blowing my mind yeah so yeah so educate yourself educate your fellow colleagues and share what you're doing to to combat this it's not Mm -hmm. fair I just want to say that. It's <laughs> not fair. It's not right. I know. Um, well, thanks for tuning in to another episode. I know this is a little bit less... Uh, happy. Yeah. A little less lightheartedness. But uh, it is good to be aware. Thanks for listening. And we hope you guys are having a wonderful holiday season. And uh, until next time. Bye. <laughs>